ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position. Ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing. Cause I'll be willing and dealing. Find me the trade. Cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 172 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast. Proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Hall at Andrew Hall FF. We've got Scott with me in the co-host chair, technically. How you doing tonight, Scott? What's up, man? It's a triple host night, so let's do it. Sometimes uh, you call an audible and, you know, sometimes you just read the defense and you got to do what you got to do. So here we are. Got to do what you got to do. That's right. We had a last minute cancellation. I posted in the uh, host group chat and Tommy was like, well, let me see what I could do here. So our host kind of guest ish or new host guest whatever is tommy ff tommy b how are you tommy i'm doing great happy to fill the jake browning role <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> hopefully you can uh, come in clutch and be a terrific player for the rest of this show i guess <laughs> we'll see <laughs> oh, i have no doubts i have no doubts no it's great having you here again we haven't done like an, an all host show in a minute so it kind of feels like appropriate to uh kind of kick it back on this so again thanks for being here and, and filling in at the last minute uh, we'll get right into it. We uh, I put on this sheet the news and notes, and I just really just said like any topics. I, I can't think of anything specific that really happened in the last two weeks that was fantasy relevant. I mean, maybe the Geno Smith getting a roster bonus, maybe the the franchise tag window opening, but nobody really got tagged that I'm aware of. Like maybe Scott, is there anything that that got your mind you know different than mine? Your mind kind of a, attracted to like some news at all, or we was it just kind of quiet? Uh, I mean, I'm just following Shefty for all the, the rumors and trying to see who's working out deals and whatnot. Um, you know, I guess it's kind of interesting. Like they're talking about like Mike Evans extending and whatever. And he's talked about wanting to stay there, but I just figured he was gone. Same. So uh, I think that's kind of interesting. They're trying to kind of run it back in a sense, although with a new OC. But um, yeah, so, you know, just kind of keep an eye on all that stuff and and, you know, look towards uh free agency but combines coming up and that's what i'm mostly looking forward to yeah combine will be fun for sure and there's going to be a lot of news that comes out in free agency and everything too so i mean again i like having a calm week uh tommy would you agree was there anything that kind of struck your fancy this week in terms of news or was it just kind of like meh let's move on nice quiet time of the year one thing that did pop across my timeline and we've been talking about this on jaguars twitter for a couple months now is the Calvin Ridley contract situation. So there's a little confusion right now. The confusion being when and if the Jaguars re-sign or extend Calvin Ridley, what is the draft pick compensation? The way it's been explained to us from the beat reporters there is at the beginning of the new league year, even if he is tendered with the franchise tag, as long as he hasn't signed it, the Falcons get a third round pick. If they haven't offered him a multi-year contract or a one-year contract that isn't the franchise tag and he hasn't signed it, 
then he then the Jaguars owe the Falcons a third round pick. Any other circumstance, if he puts pen to paper before the beginning of the league year, that goes to a second round pick, which they are mm. loath to do. That's the yeah. only thing I saw. Um, just wanted to offer a little bit of clarification there. Oh, that's going to be a tricky one too. And that's probably something good to watch even for dynasty, because I, I, I think Calvin Ridley was terrific. And then obviously set out a year and I think he collected a little rust and, and came back good, but not great. And it just, that happens. I mean, hell, I, I sit down for two days and I can't walk straight, right? It's just my back kills me. I'm old, but still. Uh, so I totally get that. And I think he has that talent. It just didn't show up this year. So again, as a Jags fan, I'm sure you were hoping it would, they paid a ton of money to Christian Kirk. I mean, do you see them drafting a receiver or do you feel like they kind of run it back with what they have? I'm in a holding pattern with them. I'm not really sure what they're going to do. I would love to have Ridley return somewhere on the 15 to $20 million per year for a two or three year deal. I think that would be ideal to build chemistry, maintain it with Trevor Lawrence and hopefully elevate that offense. The reason I'm so into it is because with that offensive staff with so many former quarterbacks on the coaching staff, they want to throw it 650 times. This is going to be a volume offense. And if you believe that Calvin Ridley can knock off that rust, then you have a really strong opportunity to spend something like a second round pick right now and get a 1300 yard receiver potentially. Yeah, no, I like the idea you said too, about the chemistry, I think that's really big. And I think it's overlooked a lot in today's NFL is, you know, consistency and kind of sticking with it, learning your quarterback, learning how the receivers run routes, like, you know, timing, all that kind of stuff goes a long way. Uh, And so the constant turnover we see, you know, with the, you know, short leashes, I guess the coaches are given, it's kind of a shame that we don't see more stick-to-itiveness, I guess, between some of the players. So, I mean, again, I I don't think I have Ridley in any leagues, but I like the player and I I hope that he has a good career. And so for that reason, I hope he sticks around because I think he's got a better chance to succeed in Jacksonville than really anywhere else at this point. But who knows? We've got got a whole bunch of off season still with that in mind, actually, as a fine pivot into the real topic of the show. And this is something that I kind of just brought up because free agency is around the corner. It's not, I mean, two weeks from now, we'll still be kind of in the free agency zone and in the beginnings of that. But I like to say, like, what can we do now to prepare for that free agency? And I think that there's a lot of things dynasty managers are trying to do now. Uh, They're either rebuilding and kind of looking ahead to the draft and maybe overlooking free agency or they're contending and they're looking at free agency with these veterans and being like, okay, well, who am I acquiring? Who am I holding? So my thought was, why don't we talk a little bit about free agency before we dive right into draft season, which always seems to kind of take over fantasy Twitter. Um, And again, for right reasons. I mean, it's a terrific fun time. I, I love it. But free agency is a lot of fun, too, and it gets really chaotic sometimes. So um, Scott, I'll kind of kick it to you here first, but is there anything you do specifically regarding free agency and dynasty, or do you just kind of let it go and see how it comes to you? So for me, it kind of goes back to my process, which, um, we talked about a little bit on trade addicts recently. And, um, Tommy and I talked about a couple weeks ago here. Um, but I'm kind of looking at the, the scheme changes, the regime changes, all of those things. So whether it's, you know, GM, head coach, offensive coordinator, I'm tapping into those things. I'm putting pen to paper um, and really kind of going through uh, models, essentially, you know, what could it look like? What what did it look like in the past when that, you know, coach was a play caller or ran the offense or um, whatever it may be. And just trying to kind of fill in uh, places. And then you, you look at the personnel that's on the roster and then you say, 
is there a wide receiver? This this offense has a wide receiver three that's been relevant in the past. Who's the wide receiver three right now? I don't see one. They might be a good candidate to sign somebody or draft somebody or whatever. Yep. So I'm kind of just pre, you know, just putting things down and, and looking at what it might look like. Um, and then that kind of helps me fill fill those roles in my head. And then we'll kind of plug in the players as we go. And so it's hard to necessarily like speculate because, you know, we don't know what an NFL team is going to do, but if we can try to kind of figure out like what, what's most likely to happen with their scheme, then we can try to somewhat ascertain their personnel uh, or at least what they're likely to do, whether that's free agency, maybe a trade or the draft. And so just kind of getting a feel for the changes because that's where the biggest impact is, is typically Mm. going to be, you know, like the chiefs, are certainly a great example of uh, not a lot of changes happening there. It's pretty rare that you have a Super Bowl winning team that all the coordinators don't get poached, right? Like everybody's still there for the most part. And so you pretty much expect them to run it back. And at the same time, we expect them to add a player. But there's so much variance there. We have no idea. Is that a trade? Is that free agency? Is that the draft? We don't know. Uh, But these other teams where there's a lot of transition happening, that's where I try to find my edge. That's where I try to figure out you know, what might happen, what might it look like, and then attack those positions accordingly, or just be ready to strike when it's time. Well, and I think you, you do the thing that I kind of do too, which is I like to look at depth charts this time of year and just be like, who's susceptible to moving, who who might be in line for a lot of change, like what, not who would player, but like who, what team, like what team is really going to be looking to, to overhaul their entire roster and what team is going to be looking to maybe move some younger players up the ladder and kind of move them into something that makes more sense. Like I just acquired Andre Yoshevis in one league because there's a, there's a world where both Boyd and Higgins are gone. And Yoshevis and Charlie Jones get a lot more looks than they did last year. And, you know, that was a free agency acquisition. Like it wasn't a trade. He was just on the waiver wire. And I'm like, that's the kind of stuff I'm doing now in free agency or before free agency, just to be like, hey, what rosters could be really shallow right now? And what what offenses are going to look different? I think that's always a good time to do. What coaching changes might make a difference? Like, you know, I talked about it in an article for Fantasy Pros where it's like this Atlanta offense could be wildly different than last year. And I, I'm trying to acquire any Falcon I can if there is any sort of discount, right? Now, most dynasty managers aren't necessarily giving up because of this change. They're having hope as well. But, I mean, Pitts and Drake London both, I think, are still criminally undervalued for what their upside shows and has shown in the past. So, like, that's the kind of stuff I'm trying to do where I'm trying to predict, you know, a month from now what value is going to be and then seeing where the difference is and going and attacking those big deltas for sure. Uh, Tommy, obviously, I see you nodding a lot. Do you have anything you want to add on to this kind of topic? And then what else do you do in, in regards to preparing for the free agency period? Yeah, I think about it just a little bit differently. I don't necessarily think of the players themselves. What I try to do is expand the breadth of who I'm listening to. That mm. way I can get a tenor of what people are saying about these players. And so when I think about this time of year, right before free agency, I think of almost like symphonies, right? So you've got these conductors, uh, these voices on podcasts, right? And then you have all these instrumentals, right? All these strings and flutes and clarinets, whatever. And you have different chairs as well, people who are more skilled at executing these different types of strategies or thought processes. Um, And it goes further and further down. And so what I'm doing is I'm paying attention to, you know, the the DLF orchestra or the DAP Network Philharmonic or, you know, (laughs) name whichever podcast you listen to and respect. What I want to do is figure out who's listening to what, 
That way I can just attack those deltas. I don't have to be right about the individual players. All I have to do is find out where other people may be wrong or overzealous. And then I attack that. No, I like that. And I think the thing you've said there, which is something I, I try to do too, is I do it, listen a lot to a lot more podcasts and try to consume more content, mainly around the rookies. But also like, I know Scott, you're one of my favorite people to talk to and ask questions about the coaching changes. Cause again, I think that just goes underrated. Nobody really talks about that. And that's the kind of stuff I need, especially for free agency. And so I try to listen to a lot more data and things that I'm, you know, not necessarily as much about the strategy and the gamification, but the actual players, you know, the actual chess pieces are, are important this time of year. Uh, because again, they're not just names on a page. They're humans doing an action. They're, they're taking a lot of things, a lot of data points and funneling it into one thing. You can have the most talent ever, but if your coach isn't using you, I don't care. Right. Like it's all kind of about the same thing. So that was a really interesting point you put there too. And I like the, uh, the musical reference and kind of saying, you know, we all play together. It all it comes together in the end. It makes a wild cacophony of noise and music. I, sometimes it's a lot of noise and not a lot of music, but the idea is there. And I love that that thread you gave there, Tommy. Uh, I think the the other thing I definitely wanted to hit on uh, in this kind of thing is, do you do a lot more trading during this time of year before this free agency period? Or do you feel like your leagues are, are more stale? And I'll go back to you first on this one, Tommy, because I feel like most of my leagues are not all of them, but most of them kind of get quiet and they kind of go dormant a little bit. But there are some really active leagues all year round that the chats always happen and things like that. But whether you're in an active league or not, do you find yourself making more moves or just kind of, you know, laying in the background and seeing how things go? I'm fascinated by what you're going to say on this, Scott, Mr. Portfolio player. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll go real quick. Yeah. I've realized that I trade more than the average person, not because I'm a better trader, but because I adopt a lot of orphans and those teams, they're just not how I want them to be constructed. Uh, Whether the actual positions that I'm rostering or the value where I'm shifting it around. And so I'm making a ton of trades right now, but that's because those weren't my teams. They are now, and I want to make them mine. I want to reshape them in a way that works for me, that makes a lot of sense, that's capitalizing on the deficiencies of the new managers. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm looking through all the transaction history of these new leagues. I'm finding the hidden little biases, and I'm trying to exploit them before people catch on that maybe I'm new, um, or really understand what game I'm trying to play, but I want to kick it to you, Scott. How do you, how do you approach this? I mean, so I'll kind of touch on what you said earlier, because it, it really taps into, uh, what I see being in so many leagues, I tap into so many different circles. And so every time a dynasty nerds episode comes out, I can guarantee you there's a dozen leagues where whatever player they're saying buy or sell i'm getting offers Mm. like from one or two players one or two managers in each of those leagues right and so um you know and you you mentioned uh kyle pitts before and everybody every league that i have kyle pitts and i've i've either received an offer or i've received a dm with a hey will you move this guy and like i mean the thing is like why would i where's this value going from here it's yeah can it go down? I don't know. You know, I mean, over the next six months, can it go down? I doubt it. So, uh, you know, I don't know why I would trade him. So I, I actually find myself not making as many trades as you would think. Same just here. Because everybody's kind of trying to take advantage of the buy low. Um, but where I do see what you were just talking about, Tommy, with the orphans, I can give you an example in, in uh, a league I'm in that 
two orphans were just taken over, both of those managers are coming in trying to make it their own league, right? Or their own team. And so that's where I could take advantage because I'm a contender in those uh in in those two particular leagues and i'm gonna try to buy their veteran players very very cheap because they want them off their roster they want to start turning into you know picks or youth or whatever and i'm gonna take advantage of that as as best i can so if i'm buying players this time of year it's more um probably like the keenan allens of the world right where whatever it costs me at the end of the day, if he decides to retire, it's probably not going to hurt me that much. Um, but that's typically more of who I'm buying this time of year is the veterans that are going to be really, really cheap. Mm. Uh, and again, specific league specific, right? Cause I got to be a contender, but that's really for me, mostly what I see. But again, listening to a lot of different content and then taking advantage based on what they're saying but also I find myself this time of year listening to more NFL content. Yes. More like football content versus fantasy content. Because again, I'm trying to fit together all the schemes, all the personnel, all the rookies, all the different goings on of, of the league itself and football itself. And then we can address the fantasy angle later. That's a good way to put it too. And again, that goes back to what I was saying also, right? Where like, you need to know how these players are going to be used before you can really value them in fantasy, right? Like if they're going to be used a lot, I don't really care if he's good anymore. <laughs> like, you know, he was going to be used. If the coach thinks he's good, that's all I care about, right? Like that's the kind of, that's NFL talk. That's that's where you need that. Uh, the other thing I think, which is always kind of interesting to me, uh, and I, I know, Scott, I know you've seen this and I'm guessing you have too, Tommy, where somebody will send you a DM like for pits, right? And they're thinking the same thing we are, like that Atlanta offense is going to be through the roof. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably not selling pits, right? Like, that's your general thought. And and there are times when I've said that to myself, but I go, eh, well, let's see what they're offering. You never know, right? Uh, there was, I don't remember the players now, but there was a trade three years ago or so. And I remember thinking there's no way this guy is going to come with an aggressive offer. Like, he's trying to buy low because he heard it on fantasy footballers or something. You know, like, he heard about go acquire this guy. And he's coming after this guy. And again, I've made literally 300 trades since then. So the names are gone. But what I'm saying is he he sent me an offer that was ridiculously way over what I would have expected. And I'm like, smash accept. You know what I mean? Like, okie dokie. And it's like, I think that's sometimes where we get around ourselves and in the, in the echo chamber enough where it's like, I think sometimes we forget people are willing to pay a ton for players sometimes, or they don't value that player like you value that player. And so there are times where they'll send you an offer for players they don't like for a player they want. And you're like, I love the, all of those players. Like, I'll take all three of those guys over the one guy you want. Like, that's an easy smash for me. And I think sometimes we all get worried about losing on a trade when in reality, we all just value trades differently. We all just value players differently. There's nothing wrong with that. I see Jesse's got a question here. Scott, do you want to take it? Yeah. What's up, Jesse? Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, yeah, so what about going against the grain and getting running backs cheap? Something I'm trying this year, probably going to regret it, but <laughs> wanted to experiment. Yeah, I I think it's um I, I think it can definitely pay off. Um, I think the part of the problem is it's really hard to project um and predict who's going to actually have a role and you know what's going to be meaningful. But yeah, absolutely. If you can throw some late picks and uh, find a few guys that, you know, maybe looked good last year, had certain metrics, whatever. Um, yeah, def definitely worth a shot. I'm, I'm curious what Tommy thinks on this yeah. because 
he's the uh the running back uh garbage heap guy so uh <laughs> you know he doesn't care when you acquire them uh but you know how how to acquire them and when to get them cheap right this is the time to trade away josh palmer for one of those running backs that you're not sure has a certain situation, especially in a year where the running back class maybe lacks a little bit at the top, um, still has some depth, but these veterans are going to find more homes than we may think this year. And the other thing is, if everybody is out on them, the price has already become depressed. And so all you're trying to do is find that extra 10% of value that you can capitalize on, right? It's already a buyer's market. It's not that difficult to get into these profiles and it's a great time to true up your roster construction. If you've got a tight end that you don't believe in in a non-tight end premium league, if you've got too many quarterbacks in a one quarterback league, if you've got 13 wide receivers in a 28 man roster, now's the time to move into running back. It's never been easier to get production. And if you look laterally, the top 36 to 45 running backs have more startable weeks that you know when to put them in your lineup then really the wide receiver 25, 26, 27. And so you can dig a little deeper into the running back uh, trenches and still feel good about it come October. It might not look right at, you know, in, in February, but it's going to feel great come August and September. Yeah. And I think you, you said something there. I want to make sure I harp back on is I don't think you can ever have enough quarterbacks in Superflex. but your point is still valid. Like if you do have an, an imbalance where like you just don't, and we see it a lot and find me in trade segments where a team is just way overloaded on something, you know, I'm not saying trade away one quarterback for one running back and just be good enough. It doesn't matter what the names are like, no, go get fair value. Right. But I think too, you can trade some backup quarterbacks and a lot of times that are just roster cloggers that nobody wants for third round picks, fourth round picks, what have you, right? Even a, and I think Scott Connor is the one that coined it. Maybe he didn't, but any RB on a 53, that's generally yeah. my thinking too, is like, I want anybody that can be a running back in week 10 to be on my roster. And you're exactly right. Now is a great time. If you can get some of those guys dirt cheap, but again, you have to be willing to be wrong because a lot of these running backs that you're going to try to acquire right now are going to have a lot of risk. And they might be RB1 on a on a team right now. And then free agency, somebody signs with them and then they draft somebody in the fourth round. And now it's a lot murkier. And now that team may end up cutting them or trading them. Or I mean, there's just a lot. You have to be willing to ride the whole roller coaster is kind of the way I want to put it. Like you have to be willing to take the down the lows to get the highs. Um, but again, that's part of the fun, right? If they all succeeded, there wouldn't be any risk. There'd be no reward. You kind of need to have that thrill. That's the whole point when you get something right. And if you're always right, you never get that thrill either. Trust me. It's it's boring being always right. Okay, that was a joke. I'm not always right. But I'm just saying, like, I, I would imagine it to be boring because I'm definitely wrong a lot. But generally speaking, I think now is a good time to get RBs because a lot of shows like us say RBs suck. Let's get them out of my roster. And if you can scoop them up, you know, trade a second for three running backs. I don't have a problem with that on the right team, you know, but if you're already loaded at running back, maybe try to consolidate, try to, you know, do a three for one or something where you can kind of move up. Uh, anytime you can go against the grain is the way to go. But again, you do have to be okay with regretting it too. So that's part <laughs> of the fun. Uh, well, the, get to the next question, I guess. And, and this is more of a general uh, process question, but I thought now is a good time to bring it up too, is do you try to sell high or buy low on all of the speculation around this time of year, right? So there's a lot of teams that are saying things and, and releasing things through mouthpieces and Schefter's tweeting things. And, you know, T Higgins is going to get re-signed or he's going to get to like all this question mark stuff, right? 
do you try to, to capitalize on that and, and trade players away? Or are you more likely to trade on the next guy or go acquire that player on the cheap if he's going to get traded? Like what's Scott, what's your plan and process in general right now? Is it sell high or buy low? I mean, again, both are options, but which do you prefer? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I find myself buying low more often, but you know, I think again, it's going to come down to what's what's the flavor of the week, what's the flavor of the month. You know, like what's like you said, what's the what's the latest news from Shafty? What's the latest, uh, you know, Twitter timeline? And so, yeah, I mean, you have to be ready to do both. You know, you have to be ready to strike at any time. And and when you have as many leagues as I do, you're you're kind of doing both because you're trying to. Um, you know, you're trying to accomplish different things. However, the most important thing to me this time of year is gaining value. Mm -hmm. So I'm not even opposed to acquiring veteran. A lot of people do a rebuild or retool and they're like, Oh, anybody over 25. I'm just, I can't, I can't have them on my roster. Like I can't, you can't fill the gap in this trade with an older player, you know, like, no, that just doesn't work for me. Like that's ridiculous. If, if the value's there or what if that player is worth slightly more than the third, but a guy doesn't have a third to add to the trade, take the player guess what? You can flip them later, right? So just don't be afraid to do that. It's just such a ridiculous thing that I, I come across quite often this time of year. The, well, I'm, I just, I took over this roster. I, I, I don't want anybody older. Like, it's okay, man. You can, <laughs> you could sell that player later. Um, you know, so that's, that's just something I come up against a lot. And I think I try to take advantage of that a little bit more than most do just because I'm not afraid to take on those players knowing I can just trade them down the line. Yeah, well, people need points eventually, right? They may not need them right now, but come September, you know, when somebody gets hurt and somebody moves up a roster spot. I mean, again, granted, the older guys tend to get hurt, but they don't always get hurt. You know, like they might be the guy that benefits from a hurt. So just kind of the, the way it goes. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts on this? Do you tend to buy low or sell high more often this time of year? In terms of the uncertainty, there isn't a lot right now with the not yet forthcoming yeah. free agents. We've got Kirk Cousins at the quarterback position. But the person who's rostering Kirk Cousins likes Kirk Cousins and probably values him over just about anyone else in a given league. Okay. At tight end, there's not much going on. Wide receiver, it's T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Calvin Ridley. I mean, I don't care. None of those players really matter. And so we get back to yeah. running backs, right? And so it's how much risk are you willing to buy at running back? I'm not really a, a buy low guy or a sell high guy. I'm, I'm more of a buy high guy meaning I will take the elite profiles as frequently as I can get into them and I will overpay to get them. And that's really what I'm trying to accomplish this time of year is to get into the top dozen or so quarterbacks, the top five running backs, the top six wide receivers, and now Stop. the top yeah. eight tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so, not a bad way to put it for sure. They're almost the safe players, right? Because we know who they are and we know what their role is. So it's actually yeah. minimizing risk in a way. Right. Well, you're trading away the volatile assets to take on the ones that, yeah, you say elite, but also kind of safe because you know exactly what they're going to do, what they're going to be, at least for the next year. I just worry about running backs, though, because honestly, like a year ago, running back was, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Bijan Robinson, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. And a lot of those guys, except for Christian McCaffrey, have, have seen a downturn. Right. I mean, Bijan might not have too, I guess. But my point is running backs tend to hit that cliff quickly when it when it comes, it comes right. Like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb. Again, injury on that one, but still like some of these guys just tend to 
be less insulated, I guess, is all I'm saying at the running back position. I did like the way you put it too, though, Tommy, like buying high. I don't have a problem with that either. You know, buying the right guy for the right price is always a move I'm willing to do. Uh, and I think too, something that maybe gets lost in this discussion is not necessarily so much of their value being high or low. I try to buy a, like ascending assets and sell descending assets, which again is a little bit of a different take. I don't mind if they're ascending from RB38 to RB30. Like to me, that's an ascending asset. That's still a good somebody I want on my roster that I think could show value in the next 12 months. That's really who I'm trying to acquire is somebody who I think has has upside. You know, now at the season full of hope when we're all zero and zero, right? Like go get those guys that you think might have a chance. And if you don't have to pay a lot for them, that's always nice, right? But sometimes paying a lot for a player feels good too. You know, I can tell you from experience, trading for Jamar Chase last year as a Bengals fan, I had to pay, you know, out the nose and I didn't care because I'm like, I got my guy. That's who I wanted. I wanted a stud receiver on this team. Like I, I was willing to overpay and it didn't feel bad because I went out and did what I needed to do that helped my team. So I'm kind of with you too. Buying high is always kind of fun. But as long as you feel confident that they're not going to, you know, tank your team, which hopefully you're not overpaying a lot for a player that totally negates all value. But still, like that's part of the fun of this, right? Is that speculation? Yeah, if you buy Jamar Chase right now, let's say, and this is a start 13, a 12-team start 13, the deepest of leagues, right? You can't tell me I can't liquidate Jamar Chase in six months, you know? Insulate, hide it away. If he tears an ACL in training camp, I can still trade him for three first plus. Yep. No, and I think there's only a handful of players, to your point, that can really do that. And, And that's where if you acquire someone like that, you're acquiring value that should hold for at least this off season, right? Like let's, let's not get crazy. Let's say a year. I don't want to say it's going to hold for three years. Very few players hold that. But even if there is some bumps in the road, you're still going to have people that are willing to go out on that limb because they're a stud. They've proven it. They, you know, they've got that pedigree. That's a good point. Uh, I think the other thing I'll mention just in, in kind of, as we wrap this up, when it comes to trading this time of year, I, I, everybody's speculating, right? Uh, nobody is correct. N- nobody really knows anything. You you might have some hunches, you might have some ideas, uh, you might have heard something, or you're reading the tea leaves, and you know, hey, every third letter of Adam Schefter's tweet says Bengals are dropping T Higgins. You know, like, okay, that's great, that's fun. I get it. It's it's clowning for a lot of people, but let's be real here. It's all trade is always about speculation, right? And I think this goes back to what I said before. There is no bad trade if both sides agree to it. Right. So if you're willing to overpay, that other guy might feel like I'm not getting enough. Well, hey, then neither one of us are perfectly happy. Everybody walks away from this feeling like they got a little bit screwed, but it's not even on the same side. Uh, I think, too, with with the way Twitter is and social media, maybe in general, we're all trying to win the trade and show off and be like, hey, look what I got. Uh, I, I try really hard not to do that anymore, just because not only do I feel like it doesn't benefit anybody, Uh, It just puts me back in that echo chamber. And then you end up getting, I love it too. And I see this all the time on Twitter where somebody goes, oh my God, what a steal. And I'm like, for which side? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't get what you're stealing here. So that cracks me up when somebody is like so very different than me. I don't get upset with that. I'm like, man, I wish I was in a league with you. You make great trade partners. I say it all the time. Uh, So again, don't be afraid to go make a move. Don't be afraid to, you know, go get your guy. Uh, don't be afraid to sell high and just get out of a player. If you're not interested in them, just be like, hey, I'm out. Don't be afraid to buy low and vice versa, right? Just go out there and have fun. I think this time of year too, there's a lot of news that gets dropped. And I can tell you as someone who's in a bunch of casual leagues with people that are kind of barely paying attention, kind of newer dynasty managers, some of them don't see the news at all. And there have been times where a player gets signed in free agency and there's a trade in my inbox for that player 
And I'll just be like, no, nah, I got to decline that. That's not fair anymore. Like I'm trying to play nice. You know what I mean? Like that trade made sense yesterday, but they just got signed with Detroit or whoever. Like it just, that's not right. Uh, and I think too, keeping your mind on the prize of, you know, this is a league that you have to trade with for a long time, presumably. So don't go out there with the intent of burning bridges and killing trade partners, because then you just limit your ability to win. What you really want to do is win every trade for both sides every time. And I think this is the time of year that there is the biggest swings in value. And that's why for me, it's the most fun time of year to trade. And it's the hardest time to trade kind of to what Scott said. It just, it gets really tough because nobody knows anything. They may say they do, they may feel confident, but they don't know anything. And that causes a little bit of, now nah, I'm going to hold. There's no reason to me to make this trade right now. Like there's no lineup for me to set. Drafts aren't even starting. Like we got tons of time. So yeah, do what you can out there. I know it's a fun time. Uh, free agency is kind of wild and chaotic and honestly, one of my favorite parts of the entire calendar of the NFL. Uh, Scott, was there anything else you wanted to cover as we're talking about free agency tonight? No, I just wanted to shout out Jason Real though in the chat because yeah. uh, it's funny. We've, we've made, we're in a bunch of leagues together, so we've made a bunch of trades over the years and uh, I can't tell you how many times we both felt like, oh man, we just crushed that trade. We just won so hard. And then like six months later, we were both completely like opposite. Like, oh, nope, you annihilated me on that one. Oh no, actually I ended up getting you on that one. So yeah, yeah. yeah that just goes with the variance this time of year. So um, I mean, that's, that's also the fun though. So you got to go for it, man. You got to try. Gotta, gotta make those, those moves. Chips in. Yeah, gotta go for the win eventually. Tommy, anything else you wanted to cover on preparing for free agency before we move on? No, I think we got it. Let's move on. Yeah, I know. Free again, free agency is a weird topic. Everybody wants to talk draft picks. We're not there yet, guys. Hit the brakes. Uh, with that, we're gonna move into our next segment. And I put this on here because we did get some listener questions, uh, or, you know, calling them listener questions or Twitter questions, what have you. Uh, and I think both of these are worth discussing. And, and again, I. We're not quite like trade addicts where we get a ton of them, but these are, again, great topics. Speaking of speculation, uh, first one comes from Stephen Molina at Bruce Wayne 0305. What are early expectations of Javante? If Denver doesn't draft a running back, I feel better. But was his poor output last season, the recovery from his injury? Uh, Tommy, I'll go to you first. What are you thinking about Javante this year? So I'm also on the Superflex Super Show, and my co-host, John Hogue, calls me a numbers butt. Um, because I use things like base rates, you know, if, if you're this position, you're drafted in this round, you have this likelihood of success, right? And then we have these amazing tools, um, like DLF's trade finder or their ADP and, you know, all these great resources out there. And so I try to marry the two. When I think about a profile like Javante Williams, he's had one hit in his career, right? Top 24 season. So he has a 56% chance of ever hitting in the top 24 ever again. So how does that compare to people drafted around him right now with uh, January ADP? So just above him is DeAndre Swift and Tony Pollard. Just below him, Tajay Spears, Austin Eckler, uh, and Zach Charbonnet. There's a couple of buckets here. DeAndre Swift and Tony Pollard have about a 75% chance of offering a top 24 season um, at any point in the rest of their careers. Um, Zach Charbonnet is about a 50-50 bet. He hasn't hit yet, but his draft capital offers some insights into his future production. Austin Eckler, Tajay Spears, about a 35% chance of ever hitting. So he's kind of in the middle of those two. I would investigate if I could move into Tony Pollard or DeAndre Swift and possibly get an adder on top, hmm. uh, something like a Khalil Herbert, and double my bet there. Um, 
that's how I think of these types of questions. You know, Javante Williams is not a player to me. He is a second round running back with one hit. And I know that's really unromantic and kind of dry and not as fun. So I'll turn it over to you, Scott, and ask you how you approach a Javante Williams situation. I am so glad you went first <laughs> because numbers, who cares, man? Um, what are numbers, numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Okay, so I'm glad you brought up some of those names because I was just looking here on Keep Trade Cut and uh, you know, whatever, whatever site you want to use. I'm just pulling up some rankings just for some reference here. Um, Javante Williams is currently the RB 16. Uh, some names you mentioned Swift. He's the RB 18 Pollard is the RB 21. Um, what is the big difference between those guys? Age. Age is the big difference. And, you know, at running back more than probably anything else, uh, I'm an ageist. And I mean, so I find it interesting that it makes sense what you're saying, because you're saying I'm looking at the numbers and what it's what it's saying is I should probably pivot to one of these other guys. Uh, I would gladly take Javante over Swift or Pollard or um, virtually any of the other guys around him, to be honest with you. And he's younger than almost all of them. I think Zach Charbonnet is only a few months younger than Javante and Javante's going to be at his, what, his third, third year in the league already. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, he's not even 24 years old yet. He's coming off the injury. We can make all the excuses we want. I liked him coming out. I liked his profile. I liked his running style. He was a linebacker who transitioned to running back. So you could still say, like, hey, he hasn't been playing it his whole life. Like, maybe there's still more to it. If you look at the metrics and you look at the numbers, yeah, it, it doesn't look good. Um so this is really more of uh, I'm just going to bet on youth and hopefully the offense improving as well. Granted, I don't know what their plan is at quarterback. Well, it can't um, get much worse, right? Come on. But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess from that from that standpoint. Yeah. So to me, uh, if I can looking at this and based on what Tommy just said, I think most people would agree with Tommy that they'd rather have Swift or Pollard than Javante. And I, I would gladly pivot from those guys to Javante. Um, absolutely. A hundred percent. I would much rather have Javante and I'll take the, I'll take the shot and, you know, we'll see how it plays out because running backs a crapshoot anyway, who cares? Amen to that. So I'm looking it up now. Cause uh, I, we do this a lot, right? I'm on DLF trying to find actual trades. These are trades that have actually occurred. It's not speculation somebody on both sides said yes to this. Uh, there was a trade 12 team. I'm looking at Superflex only just because that's where we tend to talk anyway. And for valuations of picks that makes it, you know, makes a difference. Javante Williams, or what I'm going to say is a random 24 first, uh, let's say it's the 110 or something. I mean, where does Javante land in the in the first round for you, Scott? Like, how excited are you looking to acquire Javante versus the first round picks this year? Oh, I'll take any first over Javante. I would. I think I would too, but mostly because you said age, right? And there's the uncertainty and all that. These rookies in that first round are all going to be used, so I'm probably with you. What about you, Tommy? Yeah, again, numbers but answer. So if we're talking about like the 110 ish. That's about one quarter wins over replacement over the first three years. Javante Williams offers potentially more than that if you believe in his expert consensus uh, draft ranking this year. And so I'll take Javante. I, it's, it's this or that. I would like to have an adder to account for market value. But if you're sure. strictly offering a this for that, I, I would take Javante. 
Well, and then there are two more that I wanted to bring up kind of on what I would call the other side of this, right? Where Javante Williams or David Montgomery and Ezekiel Elliott. I think I'd rather have Javante there. Like, I, you know, David Montgomery splitting time with Jameer and Zeke, I mean, obviously has reached the cliff and has fallen off in some regards. So I think I'd rather consolidate and take the risk on Javante. Tommy, are you on the same page or do you have a different numbers but answer for that one? <laughs> it depends on who's on the waiver wire. If it's pretty flush with running backs, if we have folks who are rostering too many wide receivers and I can get a Zeke profile for free, no, I'm not going to make the deal. That sounds fair. Scott, what about you though? Javante or David Montgomery and Zeke? Um, I don't, I don't really want the extra player, but I think I'd rather just take Monty, but I don't want Zeke at all. So, um, I don't know, just for the, just for the roster spot, I'll, I'll take Javante. Um, yeah, keep going there. I've got well, I, one other thing I want to pull up on that though. Well, it's interesting you say that. I just want to clarify this. Like, so right now in terms of, you know, rankings, which again are, very speculative. We can get into ADP if you want, but uh, rankings on Fantasy Pros Dynasty rankings uh, as of right now, they have Javante is RB15 and Montgomery is RB19. And they're technically in different tiers on this, but I kind of put them in the same tier. So I, I see what you're saying, Tommy. Like I understand the logic, but I don't mind, like Scott said, consolidating my roster a little. And if somebody wants the Zeke to get up from Montgomery, I'm fine with that. Just I don't I don't need the Zeke profile. I'd rather go back to the the wasteland of the of the uh, you know, what's left on the waivers and get another guy for nothing anyway, and just kind of tear up a little bit and kind of add the value. But again, I don't think there's a wrong answer on that. It's just, it's interesting that the, the, that was a different end of the trade, right? The other one's a first, you know, if we're going to use the transitive property of trading, would you rather have a 24 first or David Montgomery and Zeke Elliott? It's 24 first hands down. You know what I mean? Like that to me is an easy smash for David Montgomery, really for a first, like I can't, so the other one I wanted to mention, which I thought was, again, similar but different, was Javante by himself, again, for Roshan Johnson, Christian Kirk, and a 24th third. So this is one of those, like, breaking him apart, hoping that Roshan Johnson is worth something. Christian Kirk, I think, is still a valid receiver, so you're kind of pivoting off. And then getting a third to kind of close the deal. I mean, on this one, it seems like more fair, I think. I would probably take the Kirk side, but I get why you wouldn't. If you have a lot of receivers and you're looking to, you know – consolidate your roster a little like hey let me trade all these little pieces for a javante i don't hate it but i probably take the bigger pieces scott i'll go to you first on this one which side of that one did you like javante kirk javante or kirk roshan and a third i think the value is probably on the kirk side but i think just maybe uh scott connor's in my head a little bit too much with these yeah. roster spots but they're so valuable yep. so i think i'm just taking the one there um i don't think there's enough difference but I mean, Kirk's a threshold receiver. So. It depends who I'm cutting is kind it's of fine. what i Yeah, yeah, right, right. What about you, Tommy, the uh, Jacksonville fan? Would you take Kirk and Roshan and a third for Devontae? I may have made this move. <laughs> <laughs> it was you. <laughs> this is exactly what I do when I take over an orphan and I have too many receivers. I consolidate them into running backs at this time of year, and this is exactly how I trade. Well, there you go. So this yeah. is one you're saying you would do Javante on this one. Oh, totally. Yep. Okay. It's, it's the roster spots. I can do more with the roster spots. I can be more nimble than the rest of my managers. Yep. No, I like that. And I think that's just kind of shows some of the value of where people in general are valuing it. So that's kind of nice. 
Uh, Jesse shot obviously here in the chat. Guys got to run. Finally had a Thursday free and wanted to say hi. I'll listen as always later. Go DJ two. That's right. in dynasty junkies two. We got nice. a couple of those trades coming up here in just a minute, but I do want to get to our next question here real quick. I, at least I think it's a really quick one. What would it take? This is from Jerry O'Shea at Jerry Shea FF. What would it take to get Trey McBride in a tight end premium league? Uh, I mean, you can kind of go general with this if you want. You can go specific with it if you want. Scott, I see you smiling big and broad. I have a feeling this is related to you somehow. I'll kick it to you first. What would it take to get Trey McBride from you in a tight end premium league? Everything, Jerry. Everything. This is very specific because Jerry offered me um, Jerry offered me a, a, a very valid starting offer. I'm not uh, let's I don't want to like I'm not like throwing him under the bus here. I'm going to just say he offered me George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth for Trey McBride. However, this is in um, Dynasty Junkies. The first one, right? One, the original, the OG. Um, And Trey McBride is like the only player that I have on my roster. Like I think literally Chris Rodriguez might be the second best player I have. So um, I don't know that I can give him away for two Steelers. Uh, I'm I'm very much. And like, if you've listened to me at all in the last year, you know that I'm, I'm so into this building through the tight end position on 1.75 or above. So it's just going to be, it's going to be hard to pry Trey McBride away from me in, in any league. Um, unless it's not, you know, less than 1.75 or if it's non-premium, you know, then I'm, I'm willing to move him certainly for, a, a receiver or, you know, package him for whatever else I need basically. But, um, I guess in general, if we're just talking general, I mean, I don't, I don't think I really want to trade him for picks. I mean, I got what I wanted. I hit, I got a young tight end that I believe in that I think is going to have, you know, is tied to a good young quarterback, all that. It's just it's hard for me to trade players like that when they're especially when they're right in the percentage ownership I want in my portfolio. I mm. have them in the leagues that I I want them in, and it, it's just hard for me to give them away uh, from the, that standpoint. It's just like Mark Andrews. I mean, all the shares that I had of him as a rookie, you could not pry one away from me. I think I traded away one share ever. It ever of Mark Andrews, like ever across all my leagues, all the years. Um, and I'm still acquiring more. And, and actually Tommy, we just acquired one right in DJ three. So we have another Andrew share and I'm perfectly fine with that. It's, it's going to be really hard to, to pry those guys away from me um, just because of how I'm building my rosters right now. So unfortunately not a great answer, but that's where I'm at. Well, I think that's a fine answer. I totally get your logic there. What about you, Tommy? What are your thoughts on Trey McBride? I had a feeling that was at least specific to one of us, and uh, I wasn't sure which one, so I'm glad it was you, Scott. But what do you think, Tommy? What about Trey McBride for you in a tight end premium? What would it take to get him off your roster? He's one of the players I flagged that could lose the most value between now and Mm. May. Um, If you want Trey McBride, wait until the second day of the NFL draft. I'm thinking there's going to be some pass catchers that are selected by the Arizona Cardinals, that's the time to pounce if you want him. Um, but let's say you're impatient like me and you want to go through the trade finder and check out some completed deals. I'll ask y'all, um, super flex, tight end premium leagues, right? Brock yep. Purdy or Trey McBride? I go Purdy because it's super flex, but I get the love and I totally get the logic. That seems like a pretty even trade to me. 
So yeah. I, I think I would say Purdy. However, the second half of last season, Trey McBride averaged over 21 points a week, like literally crushed everyone, including mm-hmm. Hawkinson and Ingram and Joku, every other time. I mean, just absolutely smashed. And yes, I believe he'll get some competition, like you're saying. But man, I don't know if it's 1.75 or above. I'll probably I probably wouldn't trade. Uh-huh. Hmm. If you're saying they're both on the board and I have to make a pick. I'm, I'll go with the quarterback. But if I if you're saying I have McBride and someone offers me Purdy, I'll probably hold just because he, he's going to score virtually the same. Good context. I got two more real quick. Um, the aforementioned TJ Hawkinson and Austin Eckler. So you're dealing with the injury to Hawkinson um, and you're getting Eckler as the, the sweetener or Trey McBride. Hmm. Yeah, I love Hawk, but he's got the injury. It's kind of counterintuitive because you're buying a player who's not going to maybe score you points early on, but then you're also getting an aging running back that you're trying to add points. It's kind of a yep. weird one. Yep. Um, I, I, I'm i not finding a scenario in which I'd trade McBride um, for that. Is, is he your tight end one? <laughs> I don't have that information. Well, no, no, <laughs> I'm going to do this in a vacuum. Yeah, I don't. Scott is like, is is he your number one? Like, is he the one tight end you want more than anyone? Adding a, a guy that can score points. I mean, yeah, I, I get it, I guess, from that standpoint. But I don't know. I'm probably just sticking with McBride. I mean, mm-hmm. Hawkinson's not old, but he's, he's not that young either. No, I'm yeah. with you. I'm probably picking McBride of, of the two. I'm just curious again if Trey McBride is your tight end one, or do you like Laporta more? Do you like Kelsey more for some reason still? Like I would or maybe that's a good Oh, question. Andrews is still my one. Okay. So I'm saying like there is there are people you would trade McBride for. But you know, like you would trade away McBride. Yeah, I don't like Eckler at all. I don't want anything to do with him. So get that. it's kind of a bad that. example. But yeah, that's what I mean. It's what's in the finder. So that's what you're giving me. I get it. Yep. Here's yep. what I like about it is if you're higher on Hawkinson, Eckler bridges the gap. Assuming you're playing in a multiple flex league with tight end premium, Eckler can occupy one of those flex spots for maybe six weeks. I, I think he's a I he's a startable so. option. And then come playoff time, you've doubled scoring potential, right? You have two startable options in lieu of one. I don't think I he's going to be with Chargers. I'll tell you that right now. So <laughs> better <laughs> find somewhere because be like players like that that can't stay on the field. Yeah. Last one. 104 or Trey McBride. Uh, Andrew, why don't you go first on this one? In a tight end premium, I probably go 104. Uh, I just feel like the draft picks is still going to be acquiring and and accruing value. And if I, if somebody is willing to give me the 104 for my Trey McBride, I'm probably just accepting that as is, even though I love to get a little bit of a tax for the offer kind of a thing, but that feels fair enough to me. Uh, And I think again, if it was like 106, 107, that's where it gets murkier, but 104, you're, you're still sitting pretty with a, a good quarterback or or Marvin Harrison, and I'm fine with that. What about you, Scott? Uh, one oh four, probably yes. Um, but I'll tell you what, in Junkies one, I don't I don't know if I w- well actually in Junkies one I might because I'd want to if I want to get quarterbacks right. If yeah. I have no if Aaron Rodgers is my only quarterback, I might want the one oh four in that case. So well, your quarterbacks in DJ one, or I guess, yeah, DJ one is, I don't have that one up right now, but yeah, your, your quarterbacks are rough. Here we go. We got Aaron Rodgers, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, Will Levis, you know, like a lot of, All a lot of what baby. could be Yeah. So I, I, you're right there. That makes a little bit of a difference. So I might, I might go one up for it. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. 
Okay. Well, that's a, that's a fair point. I like that. Uh, I think that there's a lot of value on Trey McBride. I don't think you're wrong to try to get him, but you're also not wrong to hold him. I mean, it's, he's, he's got a lot of potential, especially if that offense turns around, which a lot of people think that it will. So it could be an interesting year for him. He's, he's pretty good. Uh, we'll get into our next segment here then. It's probably a quick one tonight. We're just going to do some listener league updates. We only had two trades that I could find. Both were in dynasty junkies too. Both were done with a team trying to trade away some scrubs uh, for some some things before instead of cutting them. Uh, and both of these trades, I would even say, are pretty much identical in the sense of what they actually are. So we'll kind of lump them all together. But in both of these trades, Dynasty Eeyore gave up a player to get a fourth round pick. Uh, the first trade is Jelani Woods for a 2024 4.13, which is, you know, almost the last player drafted. You know what I mean? Like we're one away from the end in a 14 team league, which is already deep. And the other one is Malik Willis for a 25 fourth round pick. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how much we want to get into the weeds on this, but I wanted to bring both of these up as an idea. Like this is definitely something that a Scott Connor would do, right? This is something that a, a, a talented dynasty manager is like, I'll take anything for this player before I have to cut them because it's better than cutting them. At least you get some sort of value. Tommy, is that generally how you play or do you tend to just cut them and move on? Like how much are you willing to, to kind of spend time to get those fourth round picks? I like the idea of getting future years fourth round picks because they can give you a spot start here and there. If you get beyond like the 210 in most leagues and scoring formats, you have negative warp, so negative value to drafting any player in that range. And I know we just had a draft for Tank Dell and Puka Nakua, and we we can always cue the outliers, but yep. they're outliers for a reason, and they're very uncommon. Chasing that is a losing strategy. We had a conversation 20 minutes ago about the value of roster spots, right? Yep. A fourth-round pick has negative value. So if I can if I can get a future pick, great. I'll take it. You can have Jelani Woods and, like, We've both taken a 0.5% chance of this asset ever mattering in any appreciable way. But I like the hustle. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the picks in both. I mean, this is my auto accept trade block. Yep. I'm going to put that up and I'm going to say, let me free up a roster spot because got to make picks, got to make trades, whatever it's going to be. So, um, you know, and I also like it for the other teams. If they had a roster spot and they looked at the waiver wire and they go, yeah, uh, I'll gladly give up the 413 to take a shot on, you know, uh, a freak like Jelani Woods. Absolutely. Or Malik Willis going to go maybe go somewhere else now. Right. Like totally get it. Makes perfect sense to me. So if you have the spots, go take your shots. And if if you don't, you want to clear some space. I'm taking the picks. So it's funny to me. I agree with both of you. And I, I totally like both sides of both of these trades. It's again, it's just like clearing up that roster clogger kind of mentality. Right. But and and I think you mentioned it perfectly, Tommy. These both of these are fourth round picks, which have literally no, less than nothing in terms of value. Yet we just saw that they have some value somewhere, right? So like the twist to this is, while they have no value as a pick, once you pick the player, they're worthless. But as a pick, they're a good throw in to get something done. Uh, you can put two fourths together to get three ten when so and so you wanted is still on the board. If you didn't have that second fourth, that gets trickier. Um, as you mentioned too, you know, having the pick doesn't take up a roster space. So it's a nice little benefit in a sense. You could look at this as a roster spot, right? Like it's not technically a roster spot, but it gives you the value equivalent to an open roster spot. And there's a lot of times that 
I know I've, I've actually seen some trades done myself, even where someone just feels like it's unfair. And I'm like, well, you're giving me a pick and two players and I'm just giving you two players. What if I just give you this fourth round pick? So we're both kind of it just looks even on on the you know the score sheet or whatever you want to call it on the tally. That sometimes is all it takes. You know what I mean? So like for that, it's got value. And I think that's why I like the picks. But that being said, I have definitely done a lot of the trading of future fourths, like you said, Tommy, for a win now player or like a future fourth for Jake Browning in a week where I was desperate and I got lucky that somebody was willing to take a fourth because I didn't have a third. Well, I didn't have a third because I traded that two weeks prior for some other running back. You know what I mean? Like I'm just kind of shifting and moving and doing what I got to do. And, and you can do a lot of things with a pick mid season to a rebuild team where they know that guy's only scoring one week. So. I, I just think it's a good thing to bring up this time of year is don't be afraid to do either side of this, whichever your roster determines, you know? Yeah. If you have the 413 in your league and you can trade for fab, do that. Trade <laughs> for half of somebody's fab because you can probably turn it into something better than a fourth round pick come midseason and you don't have to waste the roster spot. No, that's not a bad idea either. And I think trading fab is something that we don't talk about enough. And I think it's something that probably needs to be done more often because there's a lot of people that just don't care about fab at all. And it can make or break an entire season. I've seen it happen. Um, all right. So I think that's we've covered enough on those Jelani Woods and Malik Willis takes. I think that's a pretty good spot to pivot into our final segment of the night. Uh, by far my favorite segment of the night because it comes with an audible here. Find me a trade. That's right, Brian Hart. Thank you for that. We're now into our Find Me a Trade segment. Uh, if you want, Scott, I'll let you read through this, and then I'll pull the league up. How about that? Sounds good. Okay, submitted by my boy Matthew Wiggins. We're in a whole bunch of leagues together now, which is uh, what made this funny. When I saw the league name, yeah. uh, I thought it was a different league and a lot of confusion. So, Matthew, I don't know why you're in so many leagues with the same names. I don't know how you keep them straight, but good for good for you, buddy. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he's just learning that right now. Like, holy crap, you're right. I'm in multiple leagues. The same <laughs> that would be even better. Um, no wonder I was so confused. Anyway, go ahead. Right? I know. Uh, so at Matthew 0903889 on the Twitter. Uh, league name Dynasty Horror Show. Uh, 12 team Superflex PPR. And a full tight end premium, meaning 2.0 two points per catch tight end premium uh start 11 so your quarterback two running backs three receivers tight end and then you've got your three flex spots so matthew says this is part two of a league that we did last june i mean he's so on top of this literally episode 145 june 1st with rocky scott and Ironically, Tommy was the guest. So right, this is this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Uh, ended up finishing second place, uh, no doubt, due to our advice, I'm sure. Uh, was wondering if you guys had any input in what direction I should go and who what I should trade. And uh, yeah, that he he gives us the um, the roster here. And then we found him some trades. So Andrew, the roster please a roster here we go so uh again fourth team over if you're looking at it on your screens if you're listening that means nothing but you'll get it uh we've got Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, the ghost of Andy Dalton and Jaron Hall uh running backs we've got Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Jameer Gibbs, James Cook, Rashad White, Chuba Hubbard, Kenneth Gainwell, Damian Harris, Jerome Ford lots of good names at running back uh receiver we've got Stefan Diggs, DK Metcalf, Trey Tucker, Greg Dortch, it kind of falls off a cliff. Darnell Mooney, Rondale Moore, uh, Tyler Lockett, Khalil Shakir, you know, some names that you're familiar with, but you don't like. Uh, and then tight end, we've got Dallas Goddard, 
uh, Will Mallory, Gerald Everett, Cole Turner. And the thing that, that stood out to me was that he only has his 24 fourth. He, that's the only draft pick he's got left this year. And then in 25, he's got someone else's second and his own fourth. So again, no first for the next two years, which is interesting to say the least. Uh, why don't we go to your trade first, Tommy? I want to finish on Scott's because he's got a little bit of a kind of if then kind of thing. And I want to make sure he gets enough time. But what was your trade that you came up from at here? And then we'll go to mine. I'll preface this by saying I hate rebuilding. Rebuilds <laughs> should last one year at most, oh, ideally okay. less than one year. Um, and so I'm not I'm not suggesting you go deep into the woods. Retooling. Um, <laughs> don't strip this Tweaking. thing down. But I have concerns. I, I I'm not sure that this team is going to be in the playoffs. I, I'm pretty confident it's not going to be in the playoffs unless things break really, really well for you. Mm-hmm. And so my trade. Mm-hmm is really offering a one-year reset saying like, Hey, you got to get your pick back. You can't signal this on, let's say a popular podcast. Um, (laughs) But what I would recommend that you do is trade Stafford and Diggs to so it goes and get your 25 first back. And what this is going to do, it's going to, it's going to be the springboard. Don't get rid of too many of these players. Um, Just consolidate into stronger assets as they get hurt um, throughout the season and really have an eye on trading away the 101, 102, 103, something like that next year and contending again in 2025. You can't do that right now because you don't have your first round pick. Get rid of Diggs, get rid of Stafford, get your first back and then prepare for 2025. That's, That's your first week of contention in my opinion. What do you guys think? Well, I'll start with this. And I I like that kind of going and aggressive sending uh, what I would consider to be a lot for a first right now. But you're right. Mm -hmm. In a year, that first is probably going to be the better pick. Um, This is one of those. uh, I love the the theme of this trade, but I would try to get more now just because now is what we're talking about. But overall, I'm fine if this is the default, like, you know, defensible position. Like this is one of those where I might send like my first, or, you know, trying to get a first and a second, which I think he's got both of Wiggins's first and second in this one. Uh, yeah, he's so I would ask for both. And then the guy will counter with the first and I'm like, I'll take it. You know, it's one of those like I'm just going to ask for a little more kind of a hoping for expecting a negotiation. But I really like this idea, too, because I, I'm with you. I don't think you're contending this year. You have a lot of running backs and on a rebuilding or even a retooling team. Uh, that's the first place I abandon ship on a rebuild is get rid of every running back that matters. But I don't mind doing this as kind of a sidestep to that and getting your own 25 first is really going to benefit you if you are truly rebuilding. Uh, and if you're really going to tank, that could be the 101, that could be the 102 even. I'm, you know, I'm fine with that if you're looking at that in the long-term street, you know, long-term aspect of this. So Scott, what are your thoughts? Absolutely love it. You know, that's, that's definitely, it's, it's hard to hear because you just finished second. Yeah. Okay. But the deal is if we break this down, it was the strength of your running backs getting hot at the right time, Dak having an insane year. And the fact that if you started car, he actually had the craziest like playoff matchups and scores car brought me to a championship too. in the one league that I have him in. So, um, he's not going to do that again because he never has. It's like year 10. Like we just can't bank on that. So I, I absolutely love uh, 
that is that is some it it takes some balls to do that just it's because it's 3D chess, right? It's, yeah. it's like that's just if I, yeah. if I but if I'm if exactly. I'm so it goes and again the other twist to this which I don't think we mentioned really but so it goes has uh just one first and one second this year and then he's got 225 first 225 seconds, right? So he's got Matt's picks on there. It could be that he's looking at this like maybe I need to go all in, right? He's still rostering Tom Brady, which I think is hilarious. Uh, but he's got Justin Fields and Russell Wilson as his quarterbacks. He's a little bit light at running back. I mean, he's got some some names you've heard of. Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, David Montgomery. We talked about Miles Sanders, kind of Jordan Addison, a receiver. Like So this this team is kind of like he's got Mark Andrews. Like This team had a bad year. I could totally see this guy going, you know what? Maybe I pivot and go all in. And that trade is a smash accept for a contender. You're getting two definite starters for the entire year, barring injury, for the, the price of one future 25 first, which is like, duh. But if you're, you know, if you're Matt's team and you're pivoting hard into rebuild, that's the first move you have to make. You're exactly right, Tommy. Go get that 25 first back. Absolutely. And what I don't want to do is negotiate. I don't want them to take mm -hmm. a breath and think, well, why does he want his first? I want them to be so thrilled at my offer. They just accept and move on. They're like, oh, shoot. I just gave him his first. This is what's happening now. But then you just keep selling him running backs throughout the year and everyone's happy. That's my trade. Um, Andrew, do you want to go next or Scott? Yeah. You want, who's up next? I'll go next. Yeah. And mine was a little bit smaller, but I wanted to keep with the theme I mentioned before is like getting rid of running backs is kind of what I always try to do here. And my thought is similar to yours. Like I, I would pivot to a rebuild and I would start making a bunch of what could be called little trades to insulate future value. But at the same time, not entirely you know, gut your team. Whereas if, if you think you can contend or if everyone in the league thinks you can contend and, and rebuilding isn't something you want to do, because we've actually done a lot of these and I've gotten feedback from people where they say, I don't like rebuilding. I never rebuild. I'm not going to do that. I'm just, I'm always going to try to win. And I totally get that. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just our opinion may be different than yours. So my thought is, well, maybe Matt doesn't want to just tank right here. Maybe he feels like, again, coming in second, he feels like he's close I would say then let's get rid of at least one or two of these running backs. So my trade was to get rid of Mixon to North Beach Avery for Demario Douglas and a second. And to be honest with you, I'd probably be, be okay with either of those alone, even Demario Douglas by himself. And I think that's one of those trades where I, I have high hopes on uh, what's, what's his nickname, Demario Douglas. Like I'll come up with it when we're into something, but like it's pop. That's what it is. Pop, pop Douglas. <laughs> so if, if Mixon is on my roster, even as a Bengals fan, I am trying to get rid of him. Not now, but soon. Um, I am almost certain that they do something in free agency at the running back room. I think if they don't, they definitely do something at the draft. They've got Chase Brown, who I think is a pretty good three down kind of back. He can be everything. I don't think they want him to be. Um, but again, Mixon has not been himself the last couple of years. The team is great, but the team hasn't been great uh, in general. Like, it's just, I don't know. It, it, there's so many question marks. I'd rather get out, pivot to a receiver. And then if I can get a second on top of that, because again, depending on the team, sometimes you can swing that. Um, I know too, Scott, you're big on the, uh, the, the, what was it? The uh, production value for receivers. What's it? The, the cliff or what, what do you call it? The, uh, threshold. Threshold. That's couldn't think of the word. You said it earlier, but like Douglas is not a threshold receiver. He, he right. is a junk roster clogger. And a lot of people that listen to dynasty shows like this are, are more than willing, more than happy to get rid of Douglas. And I, I don't blame him. Right. But I'm looking at this, like if I can get a second and a junk receiver, Douglas, you're good. Now I've given you the roster spot for Mixon, right? Like that's kind of the way that that opens up. And I think Mixon and Douglas in my mind in two years could be equivalent, if not Douglas higher. 
And so again, I'm looking at this as a retool, as a pivot to the future. And if I can get a second on top of that, that's great. And Matt, here he is in the chat. Terrific. Uh, hopefully you're you're writing some of this down or re-listening later. But uh, I guess, Scott, I'll go to you first on this one. What do you think about that trade with Mixon for Douglas in a second? Yep, I'm going to I'll do that all day long. And it's exactly a trade that gets accepted. And I don't care that he's not a um, he's not a threshold receiver because it's February. So I'm not too worried right. about that right now. And he's the kind of guy that I mean, he was the only playmaker on that offense last year. So uh, it might not be a bad thing if if they add some more. So, yep, I'm all, I'm all about it. Tommy, what do you think? Make it a 26 second if you can. Let's hmm. expire all of the production from Joe Mixon before that second round pick counts. It's a good way to improve a 206 to a 201. That's not a bad idea either. And that may be a good counter in a sense, right? Like even if you send Mixon for a 26 second right now, I don't know who says no to that in the sense of it's a 26 second. I'll get it back. We say it all the time, right? Like I will, I, it's two years out. I'm not worried about it. Get any second you can for Mixon and be happy is what I would try. And that's also one of those you could send to everyone in the league because almost everybody's going to have a 26 second. We just rolled over, right? So like send that to every single person. See if somebody smashes it. You never know. And you can even, and this is something I've done too, like go put it in the chat. Mixing on the block for a second and a receiver. First one that sends me one wins. You know what I mean? Like just make it kind of like go fun. Let's go crazy. Uh, and 25 seconds are better than 26 seconds, but they're all good. You know, that's, that's not a bad idea. Uh, okay, so then I wanted to finish on Scott's trade because you've got two different options here, and I like the way you thought about this. So explain what your your first big option is, and then we'll kind of pivot into your smaller one maybe then too. Yep, so I mean, obviously, I know you're trying to sell your running backs, and it's hard to do this time of year. So what I'm going to try to do is disguise it uh, a little bit and also try to mix up like the most boring quarterback room in Dynasty Superflex history here. Um, Stafford, his finishes not been great, even with all the production out of cup and Puka the last couple of years. And, um, Dak obviously went on an incredible hot streak, not that he can't continue it, but it's pretty unlikely. And then we know what Derek Carr is. So, uh, ideally I want to get rid of him. And so I'm going to try to swing for the fences here a little bit and kind of retool all in, you know, one big trade here to, start the process and then go from there. Um, maybe unlikely it's going to depend on some, some player opinions of your league mates, but uh, so then there's, okay. The first offer is to Beplin and it is Derek Carr. You could swap out Stafford if he prefers Rashad white. Let's move a running back who's coming off a great year and Dallas Goddard who still has a good name, but I really like him better in best ball. He's got some big weeks, Same. spike weeks, but overall for the season in this scoring did not do well. He's a replacement player essentially. And that is the team Beplin. And that's for Bryce young and Trey McBride, not sexy necessarily. And like Tommy said earlier, maybe we wait a couple months until Arizona adds some pass catchers. And then we try to pull off this trade, but Going from Goddard to McBride is a significant upgrade at your tight end position. Um, and then additionally, yeah, Bryce Young, even if you don't like him, you know, hopefully the, the person who has him, their their uh, quarterback room is very volatile. So adding a guy like Stafford or Carr might stabilize their quarterback room. That's how they could possibly see doing that and just getting out of Young while he can. Um, but for me, I'm willing to take on the risk and the youth 
of Bryce Young because you have two solid performers anyway. Um, and then, you know, getting McBride is just going to, that that's really the the goal here is is to do that. And also you're getting younger virtually across the board. So that's going to help you in the process to then go any direction you want to go, depending on how it plays out after this. Now, the more likely deal to get done, in my opinion, is to go to a little bit smaller version of this trade, which is Carr or Stafford and Rashad White. Or again, maybe you can swap out White for one of those other running backs because you have a plethora. And then also you're still going to that same team for Bryce Young and then Ferguson, who you can pair with Dak. Um, or also have Michael Mayer and Cole Komet. So there's a couple of options there that you can you can maneuver and play with, pick the guy you like best, you know, whatever you want to do with that. But I think that's a trade that's going to help you not only get younger, but also give you some options for just to see how this league goes. Because again, you got second last year. So just because we think maybe that might not be the path, we don't know how the season's going to play out. And if you can't end up moving running backs, you might be right back there competing again. And this gives you a chance to, you know, push in or, you know, continue retooling. Tommy, what do you think about those options? Part of listening to more and more podcasts at this time of year exposes you to really intelligent people making really strong cases for players. So Paul Patterson, uh, Zach Reed, Jordan McNamara, uh, Swags, they're oh, yeah. all a little higher than the market on Bryce Young. And I was too. And it's really reassuring to hear them say these things, right? And so I love this. I love both trades because like you said, you're disguising the running back, you're consolidating. And I think a lot of folks listening right now are like, well, that's never going to happen in my league. Well, if you play in a start nine, this isn't going to happen. If you play in a start 11, this is a very likely set of trades that I think could get done. So I think you crafted them really well. I would love to have either one happen um, on the four side. And so I think that this is just a, a veteran set of trade offers right here. I love it. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, this is the this is why I kind of wanted to land on it because I feel like there's a lot of meat here. There's a lot, there's a lot of ways we can talk about this from both from a strategy and, and kind of how you like to rebuild talk, but then also about players specifically and like, you know, where do we think Carr lands next year? Is he even gonna be worth starting in Superflex? And like you said already about Goddard, like is is the name worth more than the production? Because he's not gonna be a top two option on his team. And I kind of don't like those for tight ends. And you know, then you're like you said, you're hiding white in there, but not really, because white might be the best part of that trade you know like it, so it kind of there's a lot of good questions in here and then whether you go big or go small i like getting young too because not only is he young uh but he's got a lot of upside and that beplin team has joe burrow and anthony richardson which are likely his top two and after that it gets bleak right you got drew lock jake jacoby Brissett, right so bryce young is his clear qb3 and maybe there is some logic in, in having a stafford or a car kind of be that backup uh, you know, veteran presence in that fantasy locker room, I guess, where it's like at least you have somebody you can lean on in a in a pinch, whereas Bryce Young might be benched by week six, right? We have no idea what his future is going to look like. So I could see the logic in getting out of that, even if it is an older quarterback. And then again, to, to talk about McBride, I mean, this this guy's tight end room is stacked. So if anybody, this is the team you target if you're looking to rebuild through tight end, which I know you like to do, Scott. So I don't like I don't mind either of these trades. I like both options because you can add a tight end or upgrade your tight end either way. And I think that's a good way to start about this, whether you're rebuilding or not. I think that you're going to be fine with that decision, whichever way you go uh, and whatever you can pull off. Now, again, we don't know all the details of this league, right? We don't have all the facts, but 
Veplin has that kind of team that is missing one thing and it's running backs. Uh, his running back, his best running back is Jalen Warren. And then Chris Evans, Patrick Taylor, Kenny, like, he has no running backs really after Warren. And if you have Burrow and Richardson, to me, that means last year you were rebuilding. That means last year you probably acquired those guys or rode them out and had a rough year and are now looking to pivot to win because you didn't win last year. There's no way this roster won last year. Not a chance. So if that's the case, this guy probably doesn't want to rebuild again, just basing it on the, the roster, which means I'm trying to send every running back I have to Bethlehem. Like, hey, the only thing you're missing is this. Send three running backs for mayor. You know what I mean? Like, do, do whatever you got to do to get those running backs off your roster and to add a tight end or something. Uh, and, and I think that's where this is the kind of trade that can start that cascade, because, again, I think Beplin is the probably a really good target here. And again, looking at the teams, I went after a smaller trade just to kind of make a, I don't know, make a point about what kind of offer I'd try to get for any of the running backs. But Beplin is probably the best spot to to really focus your energy. And I would even I wouldn't even send him an offer. I would send him a message like, "Hey, here's what I'm thinking. It looks like you could use some running backs. It looks like you rebuilt last year. You know, I've got a lot of running backs, and I'm looking to get younger and get some picks." Uh, you know, would you do me a favor? And I sometimes I do this, which works. Sometimes it doesn't. But of my running backs, can you give me two or three that you might be interested in? Right. Like, it, could you rank them for me? I've even done that sometimes. And I've had people do that to me. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Here's how I value them. Right. Like, I don't mind giving people my cards in a sense to be like, here's what I want. Here's what I'm looking for here. You know, let's talk about this. And now is a great, a great time of year to do that, because as we said before, there's not a lot of news. It's all speculation. It's all kind of hopium. Um, but again, I think that this is the kind of team that you would want to target with the way yours sets up and the, the weaknesses you have match perfectly with the weaknesses that this team has and the strengths that they have. Right. It's a, it's a perfect puzzle piece. So yeah, I really like those trades, Scott, and I'm a little jealous. I didn't come up with them, but I really like getting young. I really like getting McBride. I don't mind getting commit either. I think that's someone that I think is getting a, a little bit overlooked in the whole, you know, bears offense right now. He didn't do bad last year. So yeah, if you can get rid of some of those guys and, and just, change it up. I think you're going to be happier about it. So any other thoughts on that, Scott, anything else you want to comment on before we uh, shut up shop here for the night? Yeah. Just on, on Goddard real quick. He was um, behind all those guys, like all four of those yeah. tight ends like, other than mayor. Right. So uh, the top three anyway. So yeah. And I mean, yeah, I just think there's good opportunity there to make something happen. You said it perfectly. It's a good, yeah. it's a good match for a trade. So, well, it's the prime case of a win win. And I think that's, that's what right. you should be looking for. And again, he said he sent a bunch of offers out and hasn't heard anything back. Like sometimes I say this to people to just be patient. It's okay. Not everybody is crazy like us. We're junkies. That's what we do here. But I know that I'm in a bunch of leagues with people who aren't junkies and they like taking some time off and they don't want to get screwed on a trade. So they just decline everything. Right. And that goes back to Tommy's point too. send a trade. You can't say no to, right? Like come up with something that you're just like, I'm locked in on this. And I think that 25 first is the best place to start, but I don't mind sending some of these out in the meantime, because even if you do pivot to a heavy rebuild, you're still getting fair value and can, you know, switch these around for picks. So hopefully we gave you some good advice there, Matt. Definitely let us know what comes up with this. Um, I know you're in DJ too. So we'll hear it in the chat. Uh, you've always got the ability to, you know, send us messages, you know, hit us up on Twitter, you know, DMS are always open. That goes for everybody listening, by the way. Uh, I do get trade questions a lot during the season and it kind of quiets down. I've got tons of stuff I'm doing. Real life is always kicking in, but I try to make it whatever time I can to answer a trade question. Um, I, I will say this though, on a caveat, I am not running your team. Uh, I think that there are definitely some people that take, uh, I would say take advantage or abuse that power and ask me every single question. 
I love the attention. I love the the question. I love going back and forth. But you can't ask me, should I drop this person for that person? Should I trade? Like I'm getting messages sometimes from people like every day. And I then have to say, listen, man, I can give you some advice, but I'm not managing your team for you. Like that's not what we're here to do. So I just want to put that out there. I love answering questions, but come on, be respectful. It's your team, not mine. Uh, and spread it around, man. Go ask Scott some questions too. Go get different advice, different opinions. You know, I'm, I get that I'm great, but I'm not that great. Come on, man. Go, go get some other advice. Uh, but with that, I think we're going to call it a night and uh, shut up shop, like I said before, which is a weird way to put it. But Tommy, thank you so much again for stepping in at the uh, 11th hour to help us out with this. Uh, much appreciate talking to you tonight and look forward to talking to you throughout the off season. Uh, but just in case people aren't really quite familiar with you, even though you're a host now of the show and you do Superflex, what else do you do and where can people find you? Yeah, that's it for right now. Um, I'm on the Superflex Super Show with John Hogue, the Superflex dude. He is just the best. He's a I am so thrilled to be with y'all right now. Like this has been a bucket list thing is jumping on the Dynasty Junkies this non-point scoring season. So thank you so much for including me. Um, if you have any questions, want to DM me at FFTommyB. Um, love talking strategy, not so much players, but how we influence markets and how we take things from our real lives and incorporate them into how we play Dynasty. That really gets me going. Um, so reach out to me if you want. Love to help you out. Um, but yeah. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Scott, for inviting me. I really appreciate it, guys. Oh, yeah. Thanks for inviting yourself. Like we said, we we're looking for a sub and Tommy's like, I'm in. And we're both like, that'd be great. Like, that's a terrific idea. So thank you so much for hopping on both as tonight's guest, but also as a co-host as we rotate through this offseason. I think that's going to be great. Uh, been a fan of yours. Every time I hear you on stuff, I'm like, man, I got to talk to that guy. So I, I'm glad I get to do that. This is going to be fun. Uh, we do have a lot more stuff coming, obviously, this offseason or this non-point scoring season. But for now, that's going to call it a show. Uh, you can follow us at Dynasty Junkies on Twitter. Follow us at the DAP Network at Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network uh, on YouTube. I know that we stream whenever we go live. It's always free on Twitter and YouTube both. Uh, join the Patreon for the DAP Network too. You can be part of the uh, the Cool Kids Club, get in the Discord chat, get even more access to us as if you needed that. Uh, you can follow me at Andrew Hall FF. You can follow Scott at Scott underscore Sidlow. With that, why don't you take us out of here for the evening, Scott, and uh, wish us a good week. Yes, sir. Thanks again to uh, Matthew Wiggins for the uh, find me a trade. Keep those uh, coming and fill out those forms. And we will do an all FMAT show at some point oh, yeah. um, for sure. It's going to be Maybe a couple. Gonna, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we've got them piling up. So we appreciate those and uh, gives us some options. So that's good, too. Um, and, uh, thanks to, uh, all shout out to all the homies in the chat. Appreciate you guys makes the show better. We love to get the, you know, instant feedback there. So appreciate that. So, uh, for at FF Tommy B for at Andrew Hall FF, I'm Scott Sidlow junkies. Oh.